Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire, and today on the podcast, our guest, Brian Briscoe, has been in the Marine Corps for 18 years, currently stationed in Washington, D.C., and uh, diving into multifamily real estate. So this is exciting because we get to talk a little bit about how he was able to avoid the crash in San Diego in the 2008 crash, and how that and some of his other logical decisions rather than emotional have helped him to get into the multifamily world and achieve success. So without further ado, thanks for listening. Show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave with from Military to Millionaire, and I'm here with Brian Briscoe, who has been in the United States Marine Corps for 18 years. Brian is a lieutenant colonel currently uh, stationed out in the D.C. area, and he and I have interacted a little bit on, I just I don't remember if it was Facebook first, and then I think it was Facebook first, right? And then, sure it was Facebook first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we, we got in touch. We sat on the phone for like almost an hour the other night and realized that I should get him on the show. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Um, this is great. I appreciate it. Appreciate all you do. Um, you know, I, I think your, your podcast has, has a lot of value to people and I think it's, it's a very, very helpful thing. Your Facebook page also as well. It's just a, it's a really good form for people to go and just, you know, learn and ask, ask questions. So I appreciate, appreciate what you do. Thanks. That means a lot. I've been trying to make it as useful to, as the Facebook for like the longest time was me just posting things and hoping people would comment. And it's really cool to see now that I'll log into the Facebook and see, Oh my goodness, look at all these conversations that happened and I wasn't around. I love it. So it's, yeah. It's, I mean, when, when I, when I start commenting on stuff, you know, next time I open my phone, it's like 87 notifications for <laughs> Facebook. I'm like, Oh, okay. Let's see what's going on. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it is a good forum. Um, you know, and it's a good place just for people to ask, you know, there, there are no stupid questions, but I'm going to say it you know, good place for people to ask stupid questions, you know, if, if you're beginning and you don't know what, where to even start, you know, um, it, it's a good place to go. A lot of people there with lots of good experience. So anyway, once again, thanks for what you do for the brand you've created. Thank you very much. Let's hear your story. Well, so I grew up in Utah. Uh, I'm not going to go all the way back to my birth, but, uh, you know, I uh, grew up in Utah. Um, my, my dad, uh, I thought he was a blue collar worker all my life because he wore a blue shirt to work. Um, you know, but uh, anyway, he was, he's a letter carrier, you know, great guy. So went to high school like everyone else, you know, decided to go to college. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, being in the Marine Corps was the first, the first thing from my mind when I started college. You know, once upon a time, I wanted to be a college professor. And at one point in time, I started looking at all my college professors and they were all kind of like socially backwards, you know, kind of awkward. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I want their job. I just don't want to be like them. And a friend of mine one day was just talking about being in the Marine Corps Reserves. You know, like, that sounds pretty cool. You know, I'm going to go check that thing out. So I went down to a recruiter and, uh, you know, took a little time deciding. But, uh, um, you know, a couple months later, I was, you know, standing on some yellow footprints at uh, MCRD San Diego, you know, enlisted with a college degree, which not a lot of people do. But, you know, get home from boot camp and, you know, I start grad school. You know, I had just got my degree, start grad school right afterwards. 
And um, just tell you how things worked out. Um, I started grad school in August of 2001. All right. Oh. So two weeks later, as a reservist, World Trade Center goes down. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? You know, and, and PFC Briscoe is thinking, wow, I'm, I never realized it was going to something was going to happen this quickly. So I decided to take things in my own hands. And I, I walked down to the officer recruiter and said, hey, PFC, I've got a degree. What do you got for me? You know, I was like, hey, I got this thing called Officer Candidate School. We'll send you out there. So, you know, long story short, um, I decided to commission, decided I was going to stay in the Marine Corps for three and a half years and go back to grad school. So, um, you know, 18 years later, you know, here, here I am still on active duty. But uh, uh, it's been a good ride. I mean, um, you know, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. It's been a really good ride. It's been a fun time. Learned a lot. Had a lot of good experiences. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of at the, the end of the, the career phase. So um, just gently transitioning into something else. Absolutely. And that's actually really cool to think that that you were sitting there in 2001 saying like, oh, man, well, let me just go and jump all the way in now. Like, It's a cool response. You know, I, looking back at it, part of it, you know, a, a lot of the you know advanced college classes, once you get into grad school, they're only offered like once a year and there's certain series that you have to take in a row. And when I looked at, uh, you know, my, my reserve unit, um, you know, the, 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 the drill weekend after September 11th, it was actually, you know, three days after September 11th that we had the drill weekend and they make us do our wills and our powers of attorney. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is for real. You know um, I didn't realize that, you know, some units do wills and power of attorney frequently, but anyway, um, you know, I, I started looking at how things would work out and I realized that if I got called up at the wrong time for a one-year deployment, it could, you know, delay my my graduate school by up to three years because of the sequencing of the courses. You know, some of the courses are offered every other year and things like that. So, you know, it, it was one of those things that uh, it made a lot of sense. You know, I, I, I could control the timeline you know, instead of waiting for the reserve unit to get called up and go as a PFC or Lance Corporal, I could control timeline. I, I choose when it begins. I choose when it ends. And I'll be a second lieutenant, you know, um, step or two up from a PFC Lance Corporal. So just, just a little bit, right? You know, um, but yeah, that, that was the thought process. And that's, that's what got me here. And uh, at some point in time, I decided I liked it more than the idea of being a college professor. So simple. Well, and you can always be a college professor later on. And if, if you really wanted to at this point, but you know, you at least have the personality that is not college professor at this point. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, I think that ship sailed, you know, a, a lot of people have said the same thing, but, uh, um, you know, that, that was a, that was a different person. Uh, I was a much different person, you know, 18 years ago. So, um, I enjoy teaching. Um, but I'm actually finding that, you know, in, in the real estate business that I, I can still do a fair amount of teaching. I can still do a fair amount of, you know, helping people out. So it wasn't really the subject matter that I was in love with, you know, it's just teaching and, and I can still do that. So, so yeah, that's that's basically where I'm at right now as far as, as far as that goes. And and you can do it now without feel like a job. Yeah. It's nice. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about your like where when you got into real estate and how that's been going for you. 
You know, um, it, it wasn't long after I, I commissioned. So, you know, probably 2003 time frame. Um, and this, this is going to be cliche. I'm sorry. I'm still going to say it. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? It's on the shelf back there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things where it just turned my mind upside down, you know, and it was just like, I realized, you know, wow, you know, I had a poor dad and I wish, you know, it was just one of those things that, that it changed my mindset on things, you know, and so I did what I knew how, you know, I, the Marine Corps had, I don't know if they still do, they had a savings bond program at the time where you could sign up and they would mail you savings bonds, you know, and so every time I got a pay raise, I would put a little bit of money into the savings bond program, you know, and then I realized, oh, they have this thing called the thrift savings plan. You know, and the same thing, I just started maxing that out thinking, okay, I've got to do something. I've got to deliberately plan for later on. Um, I was in Okinawa at the time. Uh, and I know Rich Dad, Poor Dad does talk, you know, about real estate, you know. Um, and I made it my mind right there that as soon as I get back to the States, I'm going to buy a house, you know. And I'm going to rent it out. And then I'm going to PCS. I'm going to buy another house. I'm going to rent it out and PCS. You know, so that was my plan. Um I PCS to San Diego in 2006, you know, which is probably the worst time in the world to buy a house. All right. Um, and fortunately, I didn't, you know, for fortunate, we went shopping and we looked around at what I could buy based off of my BAH versus what I could rent, you know, and it was like I could get a place twice as big for the same amount. And, and there was a big disconnect between rental prices and purchase prices. I just thought, this can't be good. You know, um, this whole rental thing's not going to work out because I'm not going to be able to rent this for what I can sell, what, what, I, what my mortgage is going to be. So fortunately I, I didn't buy them. Um, but I made up my mind that I would buy soon. So the very next year I started looking for a place, um, in my hometown of Utah. Um, you know, um, my, my wife would go up there and be with her parents and I would, you know, text her, you know, Hey, I want you to go look at this house, you know, and she'd go look at three or four or five houses a day and come back. And, uh, you know, after two weeks of that, my father-in-law called me and said, you know what, we're planning on moving soon. Do you want to just buy my house? I'm like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So that was my first rental, you know, um, bought it from my father-in-law. It was a really smooth transaction, you know, no haggling over price. He just says, we're going to get it appraised and I'll take 5% off. I might sold, you know, um, and then the, the market crashed, you know, I was actually, we had just closed in the house when the market crashed. Um, fortunately Salt Lake city real estate didn't slide much. Um, so the next year we bought a house in San Diego, you know, um, the, the person before me had paid four fifty for it. I paid three Oh five. So I thought I had a great deal. Um, you know, and, and at the time my goal was to, you know, one house a year for, for every year, um, problem was that house never cash flowed. You know, we, we got a pretty good deal on it. Um, but when I tried to buy house number three a year later, you know, uh, no banks would give me a loan. You know, when I, I was doing everything on my, my personal credit, I just didn't know better. You know, I didn't know there was other ways to, to buy properties. Um, and so basically I sat on two rentals for about 10 years, um, maybe a little longer before I realized you know, hey, this this Marine Corps thing is going to come to an end soon. Uh, I need to kick it up into high gear. So, um, 
was deployed on a ship with the uh, 11th Mew not too long ago and uh, read every book I could on, on real estate while I was there. Um, and apartments is what really resonated with me. You know, just um, that there's a lot of advantages to um, investing in apartments that don't exist with single family homes. And, you know, the rest is history. You know, I, I got involved with uh, uh, Michael Blanc. He's uh, another podcaster for anybody who doesn't know him. Um, also does a coaching program. So, you know, went all in with him and, uh, you know, it's been great. So, um, you know, found a couple of partners along the way. And, you know, right now we've got, you know, a 55 unit deal that we'll be closing on um, in October. Um, then a 32 unit deal that we'll be closing on in November and a 40 unit deal that we should be closing on in December. You know, so you know, things are, are going really well right now as far as, uh, as far as that goes. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's, that's how I got started. That's, that's where we are right now. I think it was cool that you had the, whether it was foresight or just intuition not to buy in 2006, but then to turn around and buy when the market crashed, not a lot of real estate investors or investors in general can the art of taking the emotion out of your purchase decisions to say, well, I don't want to buy now when everybody else is buying. And then to also turn around and say, well, I do want to buy now when everybody else is running. I think that piece in San Diego is huge. Uh, speak something to your mentality that a lot of investors miss because they get emotional about things. You know, and, you know, I, I don't know if I told you what my degree was in. I'm a math guy, you know, and that's that's all just straight out, straight out numbers. And, um, you know, I, I, I had a plan of what I was going to do. And with, you know, rental prices way up here and mortgage prices even higher, you know, it, it just didn't pencil out, you know, in, in any way you shaped it. So a lot of times I will look at the, uh, I'll call that crash, the great real estate sale of 2008, you know, because, you know, everything went on sale, you know, it was, we were really patient with that house too. We, we had a place that we were renting, we were happy where we were, um, and we just started looking. And we wanted to find the right place. We found a place that was in pre-foreclosure like a lot of other places were. It was a short sale. And the owners were in the middle of a bankruptcy. You know? So you know, a lot of people didn't want to touch that. But we were happy where we were. It was less than a mile away from where I lived. The kids would be in the same school. You know, my commute would you know, be 30 seconds faster. You know? So we put an offer in and just waited they accepted our offer and it took us six or eight months to close um, because of all the stuff that they had to go through to, to get it done. But, you know, and it was, you know, like I said, it, it took a lot of patience, but you know, we found a good deal. And like I said, we never, the one thing I didn't, I, I wish I would have done better is just, you know, looked at the, the actual rental prices in the area. But uh, um, we owned that house for about 10 years. I sold it recently to, kick off the, the multifamily investment thing. But I walked away with a $140,000 check when I sold it. So on average, every month, we probably tossed two to $300 into that house, which is kind of a drain. But, uh, you know, end of the day, I think the 140 paycheck, you, know, you can do a lot of, you can do a lot of stuff with $140,000 in your back pocket. So. Yeah, I agree completely. And the math background is interesting. So I'm I don't have a math background by any means. My college degree is an associates in real estate because it was 
a total cop out, but I wanted to finish an associate's degree just to say I did. Uh, So it was easy, right? I didn't study for anything, but I've always been good at math. I was always the kid in high school who, in fact, it's a funny story that I was homeschooled for most of the time I was in high school and my mom caught me cheating once on a math test. And the reason I cheated on the test was not because I didn't know the answers, but because I didn't know how to do the work. And my mom would, she's going to listen to this and like lose it (laughs) that I'm saying this, but I would get, the answer would be wrong if the work wasn't shown. I didn't know how to show the work. So I literally had done the math test and then taken the answer key and used it to show the work. Cause I was just like, I don't care about how to do all the work on this. So I would like pull the work out of the answer key. It's like the worst math, math cheating ever. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, I'm curious if that, I mean, that probably does play a role because I'm, it's not hard for me generally knock on wood to mm-hmm. just totally leave the emotions by the side and say, eh, these numbers don't work or whatever. Yeah. And, and it definitely helps, you know, throughout my career, I've actually moonlighted as, as like math teachers at community colleges every once in a while. And, you know, there, one of the classes I taught was a, a very, um, it was a good class as far as what they teach. I mean, most math classes, when you look at algebra and you do an X plus Y and matrices, you're like, when am I going to use this? Um, but it was a practical class that talked about interest rates and payment plans and everything else. You know, and I probably learned just as much useful stuff as, as everybody in the class. I mean, the level of the math, it wasn't very difficult for, you know, a math major. But, uh, you know, I, I learned really kind of, you know, payment, how much money, you know, debt costs you, you know, a very useful thing, you know, how quickly your money can grow if you have it working for you. So, you know, those are a couple of things that I learned just from the, the cold hard math side, you know, exponential growth is, is an amazing thing, you know? So, yeah. And, and then when we're, when we're talking about apartments, you know, when we're talking about analyzing, you know, math, it's basically a big math problem is all it is, you know? So you're, you're looking at, you know, what, what, what's the growth rate going to be? You know, how fast do you think the rents are going to grow? What are the expenses look like? You know, you know, so manipulating the spreadsheets and doing a lot of the analysis that you need is something that I'm really good at. So, you know, it's, it's been a big benefit. So, yeah, I mean, everybody needs to bring something to the table. You know, that's, that's kind of my, my super strength as far as as what I bring. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30 day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash military millionaire and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash military millionaire to get started today. Now why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. I listen to Audible every single day on my commute to and from work. Now, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire for your free audiobook today. That makes perfect sense. What a, You mentioned several things that or you mentioned that you really like apartments for that. There's multiple reasons. What are, what are some of your favorite reasons for leaning towards the syndication or apartment way as opposed to the single family? So scale. Um, I think, I think the scale works um, a lot easier. Um, You know, for example, when you have a single family house and you're trying to get a property manager, they're going to charge 10% because it's a single family house. All right. If you have a multifamily property, 
and you go to the property manager, they're not charging you 10% anymore. All right. They're charging you 8%, maybe less, depending on, on what you can, how many doors you have and, and, and what else is going on. Um, the other thing is, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, a 40 unit apartment. There's four buildings, four roofs. You know, if I have 40 houses, you know, instead of four roofs, I have 40 roofs that are going to have to get replaced. So there, there's a lot of economizing when you, when you, when you scale up. And I mean, the transaction is roughly similar to uh, a single family house. I mean, each step is, you know, a little bit more complicated, but it's, it's the same steps. You know, you, you get under contract, you do due diligence, you work on getting a loan and then you close, you know, there's a lot of other little things in there, but it's the same process for multifamily. So it's like a buy one, get 50 sale. And then the other thing is, you know, if you look at the, the great real estate sale of 2008, single family houses dipped in price a lot. Multifamily did not. I mean, there was a little bit of a, of a slide, but you know, um, multifamily is based on rents and net operating income. So that's, that's basically the, the, the most important thing when dealing with price for multifamily is what is the net operating income. All right. So, and it's based largely on, um, your income, obviously. So income minus expenses gives you your net operating income. So if you look what happened to rents during the, the last recession, rents went flat. They didn't go down. They went flat for, for two years. You know, 2008, 2009, they're roughly flat. And they started going back up again. So, you know, you don't quite see the same dynamics as you see in single family houses. So, you know, recession comes up. I'm not going to call them recession proof. They're just a little more resilient um, than single family houses. So, I mean, th that's, that's a lot. Um, you know, I, I probably could give you a list of 20 different things, but uh, let, let's just stop right there. And, you know, if you want to know more, you know, my, get my whole list, you know, give me a call. Someday. Marine Corps would be proud of you using that buzzword resilient. Resilient. That's, that's what been, it's all about. Been the buzzword for the last few years around the Marine Corps, but yeah. I agree. I also love the way that they're valued. I, I have a huge love of it not being tied to at least not very much tied to what other properties look like or do as much as just, Hey, this is how much money this property makes. So it's worth yeah. it. Much. And that to me is it just appeals for on so many levels. I'm analyzing it. It's just a 12 unit right now. And you know, I'm talking to the guy and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm looking at this price and I'm looking at his, his advertised PL, which you know, usually when people lie on their PLs, they it's fluffed. Uh, yeah. this guy, I'm like, I really wonder if he just doesn't know what he's doing. And he, I mean, this PL is so bad that I'm like, there's no way this is worth even half of what he's asking. But the price that I would offer him is so low that it's not even like, yeah, not worth my time. Yeah, we, we get yeah. those a lot, you know, and you bring something up that's that's another good point is the forced appreciation. Okay, so since the income or since the value of the property is based on its income, if you can raise the income, you've raised the value of the property. Now, I'm not going to go into cap rates too much, but that, that also plays a, a part in it. But I mean, if, if you raise your net operating income by 10%, you've also raised the value of the property by 10%. So, you know, we, we do a lot of what we call value adds where we go into a, a place that's maybe poorly managed, you know, maybe it's been run down a little bit and we spruce it up a little. And when you spruce something up, you can increase the income uh, or increase the rents and thereby increase the income. And so, 
um, instead of waiting for time and inflation and all the market pressures to drive the price up, you can force the price to go up by increasing your income. You know, and you spend a little bit of money to, you know, maybe new kitchen cabinets, maybe new countertops, you know, new floors, paint the walls, you know, for, for a couple thousand dollars, you can really do a good job at uh, raising your income level. So, yeah, so that's, that's the other part that I, I really like about it. Absolutely. Completely agree. I, I definitely love the multifamily area of the world as well. It's, you're doing it on a larger scale than I am, but it is a just, I, I love the commercial side. I mean, everything just seems, what, it, what you know what it is, is it seems like a business as opposed to a residence. And I mean, obviously it is commercial vice residential, but I mean, everything from the, the loan process, everything is just emotionless business. If it makes sense, it works. Yeah. And I love that. It's so much simpler to deal with. You know, I, I see a lot of people post on, you know, there, there's a couple of forums that, uh, that I'm on on Facebook um, that are real estate oriented. You know, and I see a lot of people post about their single family homes, you know, the ones that they've lived in for two or three years. And, you know, I, I can tell that they are not thinking about it like a business, you know, and yeah, when, once, once you get out of the single family homes, and I, I think it's easy for the house you've lived in to think about it as that's my house. I don't want them to mess it up. You know, they shouldn't be doing that to the carpets, the dog to the holes in the plantation blinds or whatever, you know, multifamily it's, it's, you, you can take the emotion out of it, you know? So um, it's not something I'm ever going to live in, you know, but uh, a lot of people will. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, I, I do appreciate that. It's, I see the same thing. I, I also want to commend you on not falling into the great Marine Corps trap. I don't know if you saw my post about this just the other day, but you used the word oriented as opposed to orientated. Orientate. Yes. And yes. I made a full post the other day about the word orientated and the misuse of the word caveat and everything else that is just drives me bonkers when I There's hear people. There's so many Marine Corps-isms. The, the, the one Marine Corps-ism I get is people, people misuse the word myself a lot. Mm. Myself is going to do this. Um, you gotta work on your grammar a little bit, but I am going to do something, you know, you can do something, but anyway, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of little things that, uh, you know, and you usually, yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, orientate was one of those things. Um, I looked it up in a dictionary once when I was at the basic school as a lieutenant. So I'm like, I know that's not right. And it was so funny when I saw the entry, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it actually is in the dictionary. And then I read what it said. It says, the improper use of the word orient. I'm like, all right, got it. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Orient. Got yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. All right. So I always roll into a couple questions. Uh, yeah. So the first one I like to ask is if an E1, E2 walked up to you asking you for advice, you only had a few minutes to share it, what would you tell them? You know, I, I would tell them they need to deliberately plan for their future. You know, I think a lot of people just um, kind of let things happen. You know, if if you have goals, if you have a place you want to be, you know, if, if, you know, whether it's, you're talking about finances, whether you're talking about a job, it doesn't matter what it is. You, you need to deliberately plan to get there or where you're not going to get there is, is basically what I would say. You know, I, I think, um, you know, it took me a couple of years to realize that, you know, I was probably 30 something before I realized, you know, I, I probably should start planning for something post Marine Corps. 
Um, but yeah, for E1, E2 to understand that at that age and start deliberately planning, you know, I, I think that's, that's probably what I try to get through to them. That's funny. I gave my first little Toastmaster speech in the new club I'm in yesterday, my little icebreaker. And the topic of the meeting was the power of now or, or something like that. And, uh, and my closing line was essentially like, basically what I was trying to say is like, now isn't important, but I said the power of now is that the decisions you make change the tra trajectory of the future. And so the power of now is not that now is so important. It's that you can plan ahead and utilize that to sh see where you want to go. As I've yeah. been trying to work on my vision, because that's been something I've struggled with for the last year, trying to map that all out. And I think I finally got some clarity in there, but it's powerful. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, um, one of my favorite books is uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. And he talks a lot about, you know, <laughs> you can create your life. You can create the life that you want. You got to be proactive. You got to put, you know, first things first and begin with the end of mind, but you can create that life, you know, and if you don't, you know, it's, it's going to be created, you know, it's just not going to be you, you that creates. It. So, um, yeah, we do have the ability, you know, at each given second to, you know, change the direction of our lives. We don't like where we're going every second every now is a chance to change the direction we're going um it's also a chance to you know reinforce and double down and you know persevere and keep going forward too so yeah anyway absolutely agree yeah. all right what is one resource book course website you know whatever that you would recommend to anyone getting started in real estate investing um you know i'll tell you what i went through i went through michael blanc's program um you know, I started out just buying his, his spreadsheet, you know, which is ridiculously amazing. You know, it's got like 87 tabs and it took me, you know, many, many hours to figure it out, but it is so powerful in what it does. Um, and then from there, he's got an, uh, an online coaching or online um, instruction program, you know, so incrementally, I just kind of bumped up a little further. So, you know, so I, I did that and then uh, started going to some of his events. Um, he, he uh, lives in Northern Virginia, not too far from where I'm at. So, you know, it's not hard to, you know, drive down the road to go to one of his big events. And, and eventually I got into the, his coaching program, you know, so that's really been, I think, the catalyst for me. It's given me the knowledge and it's given me the confidence. Um, and I met, you know, my business partners through his, his, uh, his forum. So that's probably the number one thing that I'd recommend. But there's other, there's other programs out there. You know, for active duty, um, ADPI has a pretty good program. So there, there, there's lots of resources. I would just say figure out what you want and find somebody who's good at teaching. I agree. I think there's, uh, there's a lot of information out there right now. You just got to figure out who you want to learn from. And I'm not advocating for spending $70,000 on a program from somebody uh, there are affordable programs out there and coaching and ways to get around people. Uh, but I you definitely know, think it's worth paying to save yourself time. And, you know, I, I looked at it and, you know, the coaching program wasn't cheap, you know, and not everybody can afford it, you know, but uh, I looked at it as an investment. I looked at it as a way to accelerate my success. You know, I'm the type of person I put my mind to something. I'm, I'm going to get it done. You know, so when, when I was looking at that and it's, you know, getting into multifamily is not cheap as well. 
I mean, if you're doing a single family house, your earnest money deposit is, you know, one, 2,000, you know, I sent a $40,000 earnest money deposit out. You know, I sent a $15,000 earnest money deposit out, you know? So when looking at, okay, I've got finite resources, what I'm going to spend it on, you know, I deliberately chose to spend it on that coaching so that I didn't waste the rest of my, my little pot of money to play with. So yeah, learn, learn from people who've done it. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to pay money either. I mean, you can find somebody, add value to them and, and see if they'll teach you, you know? So, but that's, that's the thing. You, you got to be able to add value to them. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. Find somebody who can teach you. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those courses are totally worth every penny. Uh, definitely got my money's worth out of a lot of courses and I've probably spent, and if you count events and conferences this year, I'll probably rack up over 10 grand in, in coaching and stuff. So I, I'm not far behind you. Yeah, so I was actually supposed to be at Rod Cleef's event in Baltimore right now. I bought tickets for that. Um, I even upgraded to VIP, but uh, I am TAD in Miami right now. So um, I am not at Rod Cleef in Baltimore, but they were kind enough to roll my tickets forward to January's event in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you guys want to come see me in LA, let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah, I've looked into it. I, I'm in one of those weird spots similar to you uh, where I, I've had three different leave requests disapproved so far for this year for events. And I'm so right now I'm kind of iffy on spending money on tickets because one of the events I'm not going to get my money back out of. And it was substantial. Uh, and, you know, most of them have been pretty willing to play ball, but yeah. uh, some kind of iffy on jumping into anything until I make sure I'm going to be there at this point. But yeah, that's the, the, the price we pay for still running full-time jobs and you know, that we enjoy. So yeah. at the end of the day, eventually I'll, we'll both transition out and be full-time and able to go to all the events we want. And somehow I feel like I'll fill my entire life with events instead of not doing anything and relaxing. Like I tell myself I'm going to do, but we'll see. But the, the, the events are so amazing. I, I mean, um, you meet people that are doing the same thing you're doing um, I always walk away with the events with a lot more energy, you know? So, yeah. So that, that's one of the things you need to do. You need to get out. You need to meet people, you know, that's it. So absolutely. All right. Before we wrap this up, any, uh, anything you'd like to add, any parting advice or big ideas? You know, big ideas. Um, you know, my, my big idea, you know, it's, it's really not that it's actually simple, you know, you know, we're, we're going bigger every time we do something, you know, so, you know, the first couple of apartments we had under contract, you know, are, you know, all, I think, I think the biggest one is a 40 right now. So, you know, we're trying to tackle an 80 and after that 80, we're going to try to start tackling a hundred and above. So yeah, basically don't be afraid to go big, you know, do it smartly, but don't be afraid to go big is what I got to say. I would second that. I think, yeah. I think I, we mentioned it before, but a lot of the people on this podcast have heard I, I bought a 40 a year ago. Mm-hmm. It did not work out quite as well as it should have, but it'll work out in the end. We're going to solve all that out. We're getting closer yeah. to solving all that and we'll get everything back. I don't regret for a minute making the decision to execute on that because yeah. A, I still think it was a decent deal and B, I have learned more about the legal process and the recovering and what I could have done to protect myself better in the future and what I, you know, whatever, that is just going to save me so much headache throughout the yeah. rest of my life. It's been totally, yeah, it's like Rod Cleef says, it's a seminar, you know, it's, it's not a failure. It's a seminar as long as you learn from it. So exactly. Um, 
but yeah. All right, Brian, where can people get a hold of you? So website is uh, fouroakscapital.com. Um, if, if you're listening to it, you know, it's just the number four spelled out, Four Oaks Capital. Um, if you're watching it, you know, I got the shirt that says Four Oaks Capital on it, but uh, you know, it, it's got my contact information up there. You can fill out a form, you know, and we'll get back to you. If you're interested in investing in, in one of our, our products, you know, you, you can also reach out and contact me. Um, we'll, we'll get to know each other, see if we're a good fit. My email address is uh, my first name and my last name is crunched together at fouroakscapital.com. So Brian Briscoe at fouroakscapital.com. Simple. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Yeah. Hey, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, your time. Yeah. We'll stay in touch. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe one of these days I'll be on the East Coast. Probably not. But yeah, I'll, I'll I, probably get to the West Coast sometime soon too. You know. There you go. We'll have to. I don't know. Grab Subway or something because I don't ever get out of the office except for lunch. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll bring you a Subway sandwich and a Diet Coke or something. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, we we can sit at. Uh, yeah, sit at your place. Works for me. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.